0: Welcome to SBCA's Lumber Connection podcast, where we discuss today's market and explore tomorrow's trends. Here's our host, Molly Butts.
1: Hello and welcome to Lumber Connection. It's the week of July 13th, 2022, and I'm back in the studio. Today, I have with me one of my regular experts, Justin Binning. In addition, we're joined today by Justin's colleague and special guest, Joe Griffith. Both Justin and Joe are from American International Forest Products or AIFP. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen.
0: Thanks, Thanks, Molly. Thanks for having us.
1: Absolutely. Joe, it's so nice to have you here today. Justin, Ken and I have been talking about lumber for a long time and we've learned a lot about each other throughout our time together. So before we get started today, let's just start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your background at AIFP.
0: Well, I'll start right from the beginning. I grew up on a dairy farm in Ridgefield, Washington, a little north of Portland. After I graduated from high school, I went into the military, United States Air Force, spent three years in Okinawa, Japan, where I was a systems analyst. When I got out of the military, I went to work for one of our sister companies, Western International Forest Products, who merged with us about, I want to say about 10, 12 years ago, and I was their IT manager. So from there... Uh, my father was killed in the track, drag, so I went and back dairied for another five years. And then um, when my brother and I decided that uh, we didn't like working so hard for nothing, which <laughs> couldn't get along, was a reality. I came over to AI and started as a trader. Nice. So I started in the in the Western Red Cedar Department trading specialties and in the process of calling big lumber yards, trying to sell them cedar and shakes and shingles and everything else. I started selling them commodities. From there I managed the Western Spruce Department with Brian Calmer. I moved over to the US department for a while and helped them organize. I ran the floor for a while and now I'm back in the spruce department, basically trading spruce. I'm writing out the last, you know, two to five years of my career with a little less stress and try to have a little more fun as as we exit the business. So that's where I'm at. Well,
1: thank you for that. So JB had introduced you to me via email and said that you've been at AIFP for 25 plus years. So we've got a lot of experience on the line today. And I look forward to, um, for lack of a better way of putting it, taking advantage of that today. Well, why don't we just jump into our first usual stop on the Lumber Connection journey? And that is that we are in now July, the second half of the year. So uh, we'd like to have a little bit of a, an update on the lumber market over the last couple of weeks. I'll let you guys flip for who gets to start.
2: I'll start us off. We, we need a strong closer today. And, and uh, I'd like to, to <laughs> you know, Joe is again a wealth of information and and wisdom. So I'd like to him to, you know, be able to uh, share share all that today. So we'll try to keep the podcast under 40 minutes.
1: <laughs> we'll do our best.
2: That's right. You know, as in terms of, you know, over the last week and a half, two weeks, so the trend is, you know, they say the trend's your friend. And um, you know, I guess it depends who you're hanging out with and what your friends are like. But if you like, you know, higher prices on two by four and two by six, uh, that trend has has remained strong. Really primarily driven by the multifamily sector. They've been very active in the marketplace. Uh the wides have been lagging a bit, starting to feel like they're gaining a little bit more traction here over the past week. Some mills reporting levels, you know, at or around print, some a bit above, maybe some discounts still being had. I'm also hearing uh, some prices of, of bigger numbers over print on, say, two by 10 on the east side in upper grades that's not being reflected in print. So obviously, we know what print is. It's a guide. They do the best they can, but, you know, the trade, the trade happening for the most part seems to be at a premium at this point to print on. On most items, in the narrows especially. So, stress grades been tough to cover. Your 18s and longer, so 18s, 20 foot plus, tough to cover as well. And uh, you know, our logistical problems seem to be a bit better. I mean, trucks are moving uh, better. We're still seeing some rail issues out of eastern Canada. Um, I'll let Joe touch on uh, you know logistics out of the west and what he's seeing there. But trucks, you know, they're moving. You're going to pay through the nose to get them moved. That's for sure. But we're getting, you know, we're getting, we're getting capacity, which is a good thing. But again, as we've, we've kind of commented in the past, you know, the new prompt is, you know, seven to 10 days, you know, even if it's still there. Mm -hmm. So that kind of still remains You get lucky once in a while, maybe you'll get a truck that's idling and wants to go to a certain location and you can get it there in, in a couple of days, but those are few and far between as we move through July. I kind of expect prices to, in this trend to, to kind of stay where it's at. You know, I think we'll see relative stableness in the market through July. I do have obviously some questions about August. I think a lot of the purchasing that, that has been done volume wise, again, driven heavily by the multifamily sector. I don't see necessarily a, a big push or follow through from those guys in through August. I mean, obviously it obviously could be wrong, but you know, the independence. Your pro dealers really, really still sticking with a just in time type strategy, buying when they need, buying based on need. So price seems to be secondary for the most part. No one seems to be too overly concerned. Um, they're going to kind of stick to their laurels and, and how they're they're going about their business and purchasing products. So we'll see what, what it brings us. But um, yeah, I mean, I'll hand it over to Joe, get his thoughts and kind of what he's saying out there.
0: Yeah, I agree with, with Justin. We always see multifamily come in when a market gets a, a certain level, which they perceive as value. So they've sold a quarter out, two quarters out, three quarters out. Maybe they've hedged themselves against futures. Maybe they have not. But at any rate, when when studs, nine-foot studs, drop down under that $600 mill, under $500 mill, it seems to have been in the last 24 months a catalyst for multifamily to come in and cover job needs. That may be stuff they already have in their pocket. It may be stuff that the the owner of the project is ready to go at those numbers. They all have a, a you know a little red light that goes on when, when print gets down to a certain point. So we've seen the drivers, two by four nines, obviously probably the most one oh four and five h used product in the industry. Two by four sixteens, same thing. Up significantly and in huge demand. 2 by 4 14s now more expensive than 16s. And that's really a Southeast Texas type item where they really like those. So the key driver items of our industry are well up off the bottom. Sixteen fifty now has finally started to move. It always lags behind. Two and better randoms have started to move. Order files now are out to the first or second week of August. So how much has the industry bought? How much do they continue to want to buy? That's what's yet to be seen. I agree with Justin. It looks like July is in the books. How much follow through in August, we'll see. So the, we're in that market right now where we've got order file. We've got wood in transit going to distribution. We'll see what, what it brings going forward. But right now, I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be completed. The order files out there are still lengthy lumberyards and Component manufacturers have a decent order file. I talked to a trust manufacturer in Phoenix yesterday, still had a really good order file, new business coming in. So he's always checking prices. But I don't think the fear in the market is there that has been over the last couple of years. The fear on the market is we go up a couple hundred bucks, not a thousand. Most of us that have done this long enough know how to shuffle inventory, do things where we can live through a hundred to two hundred dollars price move it's that thousand to twelve hundred dollar price move that we had that was just i mean very painful for a lot of people joe what uh sorry molly uh i was just curious
2: uh because we've talked about this for you know years it feels like um rail out of western i mean i know it was jammed up forever is that
0: story or saga behind us, you feel like for the most part. For the most part it feels like it is that flood that they had in the Sumas region, which a lot of mills there in the southern BC, you know, go through the reloads, that really, really hurt bad. It hurt number one, trucks getting down through there. So, you know, even the trucks can get there. Really killed the rail had to stay away from there because a lot of the infrastructure was gone. And I put a you know a big cake which took a long time to work out. Secondly You've had a lot of I don't know how to really say it, but a lot of the railroads went with we're gonna reduce the staff that we have. They got a lot of rid of a lot of senior people and they have a lot of, you know, very inexperienced green people running things. So you find you get these congestion points, you know, where the CN and Superior, you know, hooks up with the UP and things aren't flowing like they used to. Memphis, Tennessee became a big bottleneck. I saw this happen when the MPSP and MP merged in the late 90s, it was, and it took six months to a year to work it out, and that's where we're at right now. But it, it does, uh, we monitor the, the rail cars coming across the border from Canada and also in the U.S., and that's getting back to more normal levels. So I'd say the, the rail situation has improved. The only difference is we used to get a rate increase once, maybe twice a year from the rail. Now it looks like it's every quarter with fuel pricing.
1: So you guys have both provided some interesting uh, updates on transportation in the last in this last update. Uh, it sounds like trucking is good news and maybe not terrible news coming out of the rail lines either. So that's a positive spin that we haven't really been able to to add to the mix in a, in a while. I want to talk a little bit, I both of you sort of talked about this as well a little bit more about just sort of availability, about supply available and how people are buying right now. You know, just, I guess the first question is sort of general. How does availability look right now?
0: Well, the order file is now pushed out. Uh, wood on the ground is getting scarce, especially in the driver items, 2 by 4 16s, 2 by 4 104, 5.8s, you know, that people, that all lumber yards use a lot of. I mean, that's, I mean, studs that's the biggest lumber item used in the house. And then Obviously, the sheathing products as well. Um, and so now you've got order files and pretty much, even on trucks, uh, two weeks out, rail cars three weeks out, which makes them, you know, a six to seven week before you see it. So more traditional after we had a buy. The mills now aren't aren't pricing; They don't have cars to load. You know, more in control of the pricing, but really haven't raised it horribly. It's summer. It's hot. We've got record heat in lots of places in Texas. That slows it down. You'll see as July winds down and you get into August, a lot of areas in the Southeast take vacation prior to that. So in my career, usually August is not a time when prices go up. It's where they kind of grind down into September. Kids get back in school. People get back to work. Weather cools off a little bit and we see another little bump in pricing. And then it winds down into, you know, October, November, and then there's the buy for the beginning of the next year. And it seems like we're more in a traditional type market in that way.
1: So if that's the case, if we're back into a little bit more of a traditional uh, buying arena and we're talking about, you know, seven weeks out for lumber, what would you guys say is a good, you know, what's a good day's supply, so to speak? You know, what should CMs have? What should our component manufacturers have a supply of? You know, is it Fifteen days? Is it forty-five days? Is it sixty days? What what does that look like for a, a traditional component manufacturer buyer?
0: Depends on their size. Okay. If they're a you know truck only type, they don't have access to rail, you know, or maybe they're bringing in and transloading it, and they've got a, a steady supply base. You know, I would not be if I if I'm buying my truck, I would probably right now want to have thirty days on hand just because of the problems that can happen. Justin, I each have a problem right now with the port same same vessel we've had customers that the wood was due to them 620 the vessel had a load shift that detained at Cape Canaveral now it's in Houston mm-hmm. so it was late getting there finally again accounted and released and we both have customers that are uh, how would we say not very mm-hmm. happy. I would call this this year has been more the market of angst because everybody, Wanted to get their average prices down when the market dropped down. They let their inventories run to nothing. So when the new stuff come in, it lowered their average price. Well, things like this happen. They're clear out. It's not a just in time. It's just past time. I mean, they're they're ordering wood to, and it's supposed to come in. They hope just in time. Well, it comes in. They've been out for two or three or four days or a week. And it makes, you know, it, it really stresses relationships. And that's that's. Probably this year, I've seen that more than any other year of my career. Now, everybody just waits to the last minute, hoping prices will get lower or, you know, it, it's it's made it difficult.
1: Yeah.
0: No doubt about that. So.
1: Yeah. Speaking of stress, you, you actually gave a good segue for me into uh, just sort of a basic question that, that's that been on my mind. And that is, I know that, that our industry and component manufacturing, there's a lot of MSR. Who else besides component manufacturers buys MSR.
0: What other kinds of industries? In the past, in the past, I sold a lot to people that wanted to have a nicer stick. As by the time it's gone through MSR, obviously it's gone through a machine. You can put number three through an MSR machine and have it stress out. Everybody knows that. But the lack of weighing for plating, right? Mm -hmm. You got to have so many teeth sticking in that fiber. Uh, Usually is a cleaner, nicer looking product. So Let's say McCoy's, for instance, in Texas, who I sell, I've sold them 1650 in the past because they know it's a premium product. And sometimes 1650 is cheaper than a highline grade, so they'll use it. Occasionally, you'll have a job site that's a multifamily where they will actually want a MSR grade in studs where you'll have to take it. And, have, and why? I don't know. It's a vertical use, but that's what they need, and that's what their engineers have put down there. So that that's mainly where we see that. Uh, other than that, it's, it's pretty much all component manufacturers. Okay.
1: All right, well, we're getting close to the end, but Joe, I wanted to take advantage of the fact that you've been in this industry for a very long time. I, that's probably not fair to say. You've been in the industry longer than I have and, and a little longer than Justin as well. And so I have a little bit more of a general education question that I'm curious about. And that is in the time that you've spent either on the trading floor or running it or, or running the IT department. How has trading changed over your career? You know, what, what are the differences from when you started to what it looks like now?
0: When I started, Craig Johnson, who's our CEO, was, you know, running the floor and buying from like Norboard and Crestbrook and, and mills that are no longer around. Riverside, um, Steel Studs. He was buying 50, 70, sometimes 100 cars at a time. When I I took that over, I would buy sometimes 20 or 30. And we, you know, lament. Remember the days when we used to buy 50 or 100? Now the mills won't let us. Uh, Now I think if I went to a mill and wanted to buy 20, I'd scare them off. (laughs) About the most they want to let you buy is, you know, four or five at once. So they have become more of a distributor at the mill level than what they were. We used to be the distributor. We took the wood, we took it down the channels, we either put it in reloads, broke it up in trucks, broke tallies up. You know, I would make tallies up, 20 cars, I'd present them to a mill. I want to buy 20 cars, this total tally. And then I'd break them out on how I want them loaded. They loved it and they needed less sales staff. Now I think everybody's trying to maximize profit. And sometimes that, leaves out a very essential part that we do. We could move a lot more wood a lot faster, I believe, with less staff if they would rely on the distribution channel to do it. But that's where we're at right now. And I think that creates a lot of angst as well.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. That's so, a big
0: change. Yeah, <laughs> evolution of fax machines.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I was going to ask about what technology and change, but it sounds like that. When, order- when,
0: I, started, when I started calling the guys who were, you know, Send it to me on a fax. Then it was an email. <laughs> and really, I mean, the email is 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 not a bad thing. It enables you to do a lot, a lot faster. Sure. It also gives you an out if, you know, you sold something or put something out there it really didn't, you know, come to fruition. You couldn't get it done. You know, you have that little bit of lag time. They say, I want it. You say, well, it got sold. Or, I mean, gives everybody a little bit of weave and dodge yeah. that maybe they didn't have on the phone. Interesting.
1: Well, thank you for that. So the last thing we usually do, Joe, is I just ask you guys for a little bit of a recap, uh, uh, actually more of a forecasting of what you think the next few weeks are going to hold before we record again. And so I hope that both you and JB will just sort of give us, you know, what's your advice for the upcoming couple of weeks and how our component manufacturers can
0: do their best work. Well, like I've said before, the 2 and better the 104s have already started their march up and have pretty much taken a pretty good jaunt. In my experience, the 1650. The web stock, all that runs secondary. It usually is a, a ten day to two week behind that. It's already started to move up. So I see definitely a lot more price appreciation coming at $1,650, hundred. Twenty one hundred $2,100 is actually very tight right now. I couldn't get a car quoted to me out of anybody today. And I had inquiry for several.
2: JB. I'm saying sneaky strong is is I think a lot of, you know, folks have there's a lot of apprehension you know in terms of the future and buying too much wood or the market's going to correct or the market's going to come down soon i i you know the 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 market right now i think is is something you have to the south is very it's not in line not everybody's telling the same story or has the same issues or or is running different products at the same time and so i know i i usually lead off with you know you got to stay close to those that you that you trust and you really, I mean, you've got to, I mean, you've got to be on uh, the phone with people often. And you, if you don't have something you think you're going to need it in two or three weeks, you got to be, you got to be staying after it right now. You get you can get caught pretty easy and, and get in a situation like Joe's talked about where you waited too long and you can't get something that fast. And then now your back's against the wall and, and you're frustrated and you're scrambling to try to get units in to cover until your truck gets there. Not all items are, are equal right now. Um, pricing is not set in stone and print obviously again is a guide, but I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of big numbers that are not being reported that mills are selling. Um, and that's, you know, don't get lulled into a, a, a comfort zone that doesn't necessarily exist.
0: And I'd, I'd leave it with this. Disruptions right now are the key to price appreciation. And we're entering two big times in the season, hurricane and fire. So point. those things are always out there. I'm not a market hyper, never have been, don't like to. But the reality of it is if you're betting the, the farm on the fact that we're going to have the market adjust a lot down, there's a lot of things that can happen to either spike it up or keep it where it's at. Always done this, never go taking a profit. (laughs) If you've got money in it, put it to bed.
1: (laughs) Those are wise words for our listeners today. I think with that, we should wrap up our episode. Um, Joe, it's been so nice to have you with us. Justin, thank you so much for your continued expertise and enthusiasm, and I appreciate you bringing Joe into the mix today. As always, I've enjoyed our time together, but I look forward to our next installment of Lumber Connection. Thanks, guys.
2: Thanks, Molly. Thank you.
0: This has been a Lumber Connection podcast by SBCA. If you have a question you'd like a guest to answer on a future podcast, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.